everyone, welcome back to a new episode, and today I will be interviewing Michelle Bono, who is the president and CEO of Bono Communications and Marketing. So first, can you like tell me a little bit about yourself and like what work you do? Um, so my name is Michelle Bono. Um, I live in Tallahassee, Florida, and my career, I'm originally from the Midwest, from Wichita, Kansas, um, but my career has always been focused on local government. Um, um, a quick background, when I was in high school, um, I will date myself because Watergate was happening and I wanted to be Woodward and Bernstein and uncover government crime and corruption. <laughs> so um, then when I went to college, I, my major was um, journalism and uh, my minor was political science. And I always wanted to be in a position where I helped people contribute to the good of the community. And so I found that in local government doing communications work. So I have worked in Virginia and Colorado, back to Virginia, and then my last 20 years of my um, local government career were spent in Tallahassee, Florida, doing communications for the city of Tallahassee. And then now, um, then six years ago, um, I started my own business and do the same sort of thing, communications, marketing, citizen engagement, um, crises. I do a lot of training, um, a lot with local governments, but also with businesses and not-for-profits. So that's a little bit about me. And you mentioned you have um, your own business. So what 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 does Bono Communications and Marketing do? And what do you do as the president of this business? So I'll give you the short story of kind of how I came into being business in business for myself. So um, I had long admired other people that I knew who owned their own communications and PR businesses. Um, here in Tallahassee, there's several that are women-owned, and I'd always thought that would be so cool and so brave to do that. Um, I don't know that I would ever have considered it, but six years ago, working in local government, we had a change of city managers, and my position was eliminated. And so I had this decision about, okay, do I try to find another job? Um, do I look to move my family elsewhere, which I didn't want to do? Um, or do I consider starting my own business? So I started my own business six years ago, um, not knowing a lot about starting a business. And we can talk about that. But um, a the real question was like, so what do you do? And I took the things that I love to do the most, which was a lot of teaching and facilitating. So um, in my business, I do a lot of, when I work with local governments, I help them with strategic planning. Um, I've helped a fire and police department develop their strategic plans. I've worked with um, elected officials in different communities that are trying to set their goals for the year and facilitate their retreats and things like that. And then I just do a lot of training with employees um, that want to learn how to be better leaders and managers and focus on teamwork and communication and all those kinds of things. And then the other side of the business is really more public relations. So same thing as I did in my job with the city, helping with citizen engagement, but this time working with contractors um, who are doing work for the city um, and helping with citizen engagement there. Um, and then as my own business, doing some work with other local governments on citizen engagement. So a little bit of everything, um, some marketing. Um, I love to help with crisis communication when something goes really wrong and you need to be able to communicate, hey, here's what happened. Here's how we caught it. Here's what we're doing. Those kinds of things I enjoy doing as well. So kind of a, a wide variety. Can you talk a, a bit about women-owned businesses in Tallahassee that kind of inspired you? So can you talk a little bit more about that and like why you ultimately chose to start this business? Yeah. Um, 
so the you know um first question like like my have you ever thought about starting your own business i mean you kind of did with your podcast right um but have you have you had dreams of being an entrepreneur yourself i'm not i'm not quite sure how to like answer that question because on one hand like i think it's always been like in the back of my mind but i was just like never quite sure um like what the first steps to take were so i thought i would just start this podcast so i could reach out to other successful women and like see how they started their own businesses especially like in society where like it's kind of hard especially for a female to start her own business with like the glass ceiling and like um everything that's going on so yeah well i would say you're doing exactly what would be my advice um because one of the things that i really um, appreciate was that people are so open to share their own experiences So what you're doing through this podcast to me is one of the things I advise people to do. It's like um, network and you hear no networking and you think about, you know, people in crowded spaces at a reception. No, that's not really networking. Networking is saying, who can I reach out to and connect and learn from? And so that's what I did initially. Um, And I got some great advice from um, a gentleman here in Tallahassee. His name is Steve Evans, and he often helps entrepreneurs. And he said, you know, you've worked in local government here in Tallahassee for 20 years. So you have a broad network. You need to use that. And the hardest thing for most entrepreneurs is building a network. And so when you've done something for a long time, that makes it easier because I knew a lot of people in Tallahassee. So um, I started doing, I forced myself to do coffee meetings um, three days a week. (laughs) So I would call somebody that I knew and say, hey, do you want to meet for coffee? And then I'd find out, hey, what's going on in your world and then tell them what I was doing and, and say, hey, if something comes up, let me know. I'd be happy to help with that. And so I began to get some work from doing that. People are like, oh, I hadn't thought about this, but I've got this coming up. Would you be able to help with this? And so especially when you're starting, I said yes to everything. When people were like, can you help with this? I was like, yes. You know, and that helps you learn how to do it. But I also went to every successful um, person who ran a PR firm, both female and male, and said, how did you get started? Like, how do you even know how much to charge, right? How do you know how much to charge for a service and how long do you anticipate it should take? And how do you, um, how do you bill? And like easy things, like initially I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to hire an attorney to help me um, start my business. Okay. The answer is no, you do not need to hire an attorney. Um, It's as simple as going on the state website, downloading the forms, filling them out, taking it to the state, um, getting your certification. And I don't remember what it cost, but it wasn't expensive. Um, and then applying for your federal um, employer identification number. Got to have one of those. And so I just, people told me things to do and I followed those. Um, I have a really wonderful guy who does my taxes and is an entrepreneur himself, this gentleman, Earl Lines, And he has been my greatest mentor. And I have said to him, how do I do this? And he's like, here's things you need to do to set it up. Um, and that was just super great guidance to me, but I didn't, you know, Earl's advice was do it all yourself. And I was like, okay. And he's like, pay your taxes, learn about the forms you have to fill out because you're starting out. You want to know where does your money go and how are you doing it? And so, because I'm a communications background person, I was like, okay, the finance part of it, you know, was to me a little bit daunting. I was like, I don't really know that that's my forte. I feel today super comfortable. I made some mistakes along the way, but I have learned how to do that. And so I think your question about like, so how do you start? It's like, look at every network you have. Um, Look at people that you 
go to church with, you know, people that you've worked with before. Um, I always talk to um, Gen Zers to say, don't burn any bridges, right? When you leave a place, you want to leave with the best glowing reviews of you when you leave, because you may go back and work for that place again, or they may be somebody that you turn to in the future. Um, when I left the city, I was really, to be honest, I was hurt, you know, my own, after all these years, my position's been eliminated. Um, Still, I love the city. I love the city of Tallahassee. I love the people who live here. I love the government folks. And so I was like, okay, just stay positive. And now, interestingly, I do contract work for the same organization again, because you don't burn those bridges. You keep those relationships. So just like you're doing with your podcast, turn to other people and say, what did you mess up? How did you know how to do this? And you're like, well, will they tell you that if they think you're competition? I found yes. People are like, there's plenty of work to be found. And so they're happy to share um, their experiences. And so I, I wondered, like, when you started your podcast, how did you decide to do things? Did you go to other people who do podcasts to learn how to do it? Or did you just research it all on your own? Initially, I, like, did a lot of it on my own. Like, I would make, like, solo episodes that, like, now looking back on it aren't as, like, interesting, I guess. But now, But then I started reaching out to, like, more people to like interview and like um so they could talk about their experiences so hopefully they can like share um more advice than I have because like obviously I haven't like gone through a lot of life yet um so yeah I started reaching out for interviews and I found that uh, or at least I felt that's more like effective talking to someone else um and listening to their experiences and like learning from them yeah. yeah and so you know you asked about the glass ceiling you know, I think it's real. Um, I think you can look in many professions and you see there's not enough females there. There's not enough people of color. There's not enough diversity and diversity even by age, right? Sometimes it's like it's heavily stacked towards baby boomers or, you know, maybe it's heavily stacked towards Gen Zers. But, you know, you can look at the at, at what's there. For women in the glass ceiling, I think that part of it for me has been it's not that you can ignore it because you can't ignore it, but saying, I want people to hire me and respect me because I deliver a good product, because what I do for them brings value. And so um, I hope that they don't look at that and say, oh, well, isn't that great? She's also a small business and she's a female owned. Okay, that's just icing, right? That's just an extra benefit. But I want you to hire me because I deliver the results you want. And so that was always been my advice to folks is like, okay, deliver great work and do great work. And, you know, if you're in an environment where people don't respect women or don't respect people of color, um, you change that environment, right? You, you, and I think one of the things I love the most about your generation is that um, I find that like, if they think the environment is not welcoming, they're happy to move, right? <laughs> it's like, it's like, Okay, you know, I, I'm not going to work in this environment. And I, I look at, I have um, three daughters and one son, and my youngest is 22. And I look at her generation, and they're like, if you don't match my sense of values and ethics and workplace environment, I'll find a place that does, and they can. So, you know, it's like, don't stay in a place that doesn't respect. And you can try to bring changes and bring enhancements wherever you are. But I fortunately have never been in a position where I felt like I was, you know, I had the big thumb down on me, you know, for <laughs> as a woman, I felt like, you know, most of the organizations I've been in, even though you might see a little bit of that, 
there was the opportunity to move and to thrive in that environment. So, and it helped when I worked for the city of Tallahassee, my longest tenure was 20 years there. And I worked for a black female city manager who was awesome. So, you know, it, it's sometimes you find um, a leader that inspires you and that makes your work life even more enjoyable. Yeah. I was actually thinking about like what you said about like leaving um, if you didn't like feel like it was a diverse or inclusive community. And I was actually speaking with um, a mentor about this and um, you're kind of like on the fence about if like you were in that sort of community that um, was not inclusive or didn't prioritize equity. Like, do you, like, should you stay and try to like bring change? So like if other people come, then they'll like feel more included or like you just, or do you just like go and leave because like you don't yeah. see any point? So like, yeah, I was just thinking about that when you um, kind of like pose that question. So, yeah. I think that's a hard issue because, you know, I think you have to, to try to bring the change first. You know, sometimes I, when I teach with people and teach about leadership, people will say, well, I love the lessons you're teaching me about respecting employees and getting their point of view and listening, but my boss doesn't do that. And so my message to them is then you do it, right? Just because your boss doesn't, doesn't mean that you can't have influence over your sphere, right? What is your sphere of influence? And you can affect that. And then you try to, to bring, I mean, sometimes when you do that, you bring about that positive change that people go, wow, you know, that unit's doing so well, what's their secret to success? And it's because you were listening to employees and engaging them and creating, you know, that kind of workplace. So I do think there's chances to really bring about change. And I, my advice would be, don't leave immediately, right? Give it some time, try to work it, um, try to be that influential change that you want to see take place. And if you just keep hitting your head against the ceiling or the wall, then then you can say, okay, what else is there for me? Because you you spend so much time at work, you want work to be something that is meaningful to you. And I that's one of the things I have loved the most is that um, work for me has always been, I mean, there's not that there's not days that are draining, right? But But overall... I am inspired by the people that I get to work with. Yeah, um, I feel like I bring value to them and they bring value to me. I feel like what we do together makes a difference. So um, when you have that sense of accomplishment, then that's that's really good. The other part that's realistic is you've got to be realistic about, okay, what can I afford to do? Right. So it's maybe easier for someone who's been and, in, in, you know, who's older and done more things. But when you're starting out and you're like, OK, but I need to pay my rent and I have to pay off my school loans. and I have a car payment to make. You know, it's like I can't just quit. I would say then don't quit. You know, wait till you find something else that is more secure or give it some more time. Don't you know, don't leave quickly. Give it some time to try to work out, because sometimes the first six months are not going to be your most meaningful. You know, you have to kind of learn the process. And I always found it's stressful to start a new job because you know you have no credibility when you come into I mean even when I had like 20 years experience and I came to the city of Tallahassee it's like no you know we don't care what you did somewhere else you know what are you doing here and you have to build that credibility and and demonstrate your value to the company and so it takes a while so that is that is one of the things that I you know it, I especially with with Gen Zers I'm like yeah don't give up stick in there, you know, give it a chance. If you do it for three years and you say, you know, I think there's more then okay, you can, can look to find more, but give it, give it your best shot. Because I would say to your friend, 
you know, you may be the person who brings about the change that is needed and set realistic goals about, you know, what you think you can accomplish and then do the best you can within your sphere of influence. How like do you find working with people with different opinions than your own? I remember you like mentioned a little <laughs> bit about like your boss in the beginning. So I like was wondering how you handled that um, like as someone in business. Yeah, I think it's hard um, because I feel very strongly about um, supporting and respecting the rights of other people. Um, and so whether that's gay rights or women's rights or, you know, um, telling our um, civil rights history, those things are really important to me. And so I, and, and I would tell you, I have four children. I, they have influenced me, right. They and their friends have helped influence me to, I think, think more broadly. And so um, that's really important to me. What I find is that's not always something that has to be discussed at work. So I have clients and friends who may feel very differently than me. And so for me, the issue is you have to figure out what's what's tolerable for you, right? Because I don't know that we have to agree on everything politically. Um, if you're doing things I find unethic, un unethical or you know unconscionable, then I probably will choose not to work with that client. Um, I haven't really found that. You know, I have found um, that I same thing as even we talked about. Sometimes I can help influence my clients to think more openly and broadly, and so. I, you know, I think that sometimes the best strategy is be yourself and it's fine for people to know where you stand. That's not the entire thing that makes a successful business relationship because I can help you with a crisis communication issue without even knowing anything about what your political leanings are, right? It, I just feel like, you know, that's not the number one thing. The number one thing is how do I bring value to you and I want to have respect for you as well. As someone who like cares a lot about these social justice issues, um, you've said you've also done a lot of projects for Tallahassee, like creating um, things like Blair Stone Road. So like, can you elaborate um, on this project? Like, why did you choose to create something like this and what exactly it like uh, you set out to accomplish with this? Yeah, thank you. Um... So when I first came to Tallahassee, it was 1997, and everywhere um, you drove around Tallahassee, there were these yard signs that had the big, you know, X across them, no Blairstone Road. Um, and what it was, was that the people who lived along the roadway had been used to seeing, you know, green land and trees behind their homes. Now, they didn't own the land, but that wasn't the point. The point was, this is what I'm used to, and now government wants to come and put a, you know, four-lane road through this area behind my house. And so one of the things you have to realize is like, yeah, what would I think if that was my house? Well, I wouldn't like it either, right? It's like, you know, we all want things to be the best we can for ourselves. And so what I learned from Blairstone Road was um, we did a ton of citizen engagement. And so once the elected leaders made the decision that we're going to move ahead because we need this for traffic and for development and for, um, you know, flow, that this was an important connector to be to build, then it became how do we show respect for the people who live there? And so it was listening to their ideas. They helped pick what kind of trees would be planted. Um, one thing I love about Blairstone is it's not a straight road. It's a nice winding road. Um, the neighbor said, do not build a stormwater pond with chain link fences around it. That's just ugly. So when you drive down Blairstone, 
um, like between Mahan and Miccosukee, there are ponds that have, you know, nice sloping um, um, sides so that, you know, it's, it, and it's not ugly. Um, so there were a lot of things that people influenced. And um, I think that project was the first that showed me that you can end up with something that is actually beneficial and that people feel heard and they feel respected. And so that was really my first big project I did in Tallahassee. Um, for me, one of the more meaningful ones beyond Blairstone was um, FAMU Way. And FAMU Way um, was a road proposed to go through a predominantly African-American community along the side of the, um, well, at the time we didn't know where it would go, but somewhere around the FAMU campus. And same thing, we um, had one, I, can't even remember what year it was, but it was a cold January morning and we were serving breakfast and had like 150 people from the community come to a breakfast and say, here's what we think would be important. And one thing they said was, don't put it through the middle of our community, put it over on the side, put it near the, there's a drainage ditch there alongside FAMU um, and said, don't cut through the middle of our neighborhood. And here's what we want to see. And we want to see parks and um, we want to see walking paths and we want it to be something that contributes to the neighborhood. And so um, I'm every time we drive, you know, my kids called FAMU Way. Um, I mean, sorry, my kids called um, Blairstone Road Mom's Road because I drug them to every breakfast, every, you know, um, get the scoop, um, ice cream social, everything we did to engage people. My kids came to that. So they grew up with the development of Blairstone. Same thing with FAMU Way. They had a chance to kind of come and see it. And when we drive down both those roads now, I just love seeing, um, and the city and the county have done such a great job with, uh, there's a new skateboard park that's just developed on FAMU Way with a big rattler on it that is amazing. Um, there's um, little things like back-end angle parking. You're like, what? Um, the idea that you would back into it so that when you're taking the kids out to go play on the playground equipment, that they're not having to um, get out and be close to the street. You can, the doors open and the kids can just, you know, head to the park and it's safer. Little things that made a big difference. The, the uh, roundabout there with a, a monument that honors the university. So letting people share their history and help um, us respecting that has been an important part of it to me. And, and feeling like at the end of the day that, that people's expectations of government is usually low. It's like, you know, they, they, that phrase, I'm from the government, I'm here to help, that is like sarcastic. <laughs> so um, at the end of the day, to have people say, wow, you know, government listened to me and made this project something that I am proud of. And I think that was one of my big takeaways is that you can do good things when you engage with people and you listen to them. So, and nowadays it's really tough because people are really contentious about everything. You know, it just seems like from the pandemic, people tend to just feel like it's going to be bad. And I think part of our, our challenge is to say, no, we can still do good things together. Um, let's find, you know, how do we get to yes versus what are all the reasons why we should do nothing? Yeah. Um, and you also worked on change for change. Like, what exactly is this organization? Like, what did you do for it? Um, and, like, how does it help the homeless? So it is one that is near and dear to my heart. Um, it was actually a group of residents in Tallahassee who wanted to find ways to address homelessness. And they came to the city of Tallahassee and said, um, we would like to suggest that when people um, sign up for their utilities, they have the option of paying an extra amount per month that goes to um, help the homeless. 
And so that was their initial concept. And there were some challenges with that in terms of the software and how to make that work. But eventually they were able to get that accomplished. So now if you're a new customer or an existing customer, you can um, say, I'm going to pay $5 a month more. Or if you're generous, $100 a month more, right? Um, but it, it doesn't take, it, it can just be a few dollars. Um, it is an option that you have to help the homeless when you um, sign up for your utilities because the city provides utilities. What was meaningful to me was um, we have this wonderful team of production folks at the city that produce the uh, WCOT, their TV shows. And we went and met with children at the Hope Community, which is over off of Pensacola. And this is a family transitional housing. The goal is to take families in need and move them into safe and permanent housing. And we went and interviewed the children there with their parents' permission about what they miss the most about not having a home. And it is something I'll never forget. I mean, it was just because it was the basic things. It's like um, a little girl saying, I miss making pancakes with my dad in the kitchen on Saturday morning. And I'm like... Okay, you know, it's just it brings it brings to realization how children are impacted by homelessness and how if you have a chance to change that, you ought to be doing it. And so we produced um, um, a wonderful series of things that encouraged people and resulted in more people giving to this change for change. So it goes to the utility company, then they um, divide it among um, groups in Tallahassee, the non for profits who provide the services for the homeless. So. Um, if anybody listening happens to be in Tallahassee, they can certainly contact the uh, city utilities and ask to make a, a monthly contribution to Change for Change. It still is doing great things. But that's one of those things that, again, you know, nobody really knows you're involved with that, but you know. And, you know, one of the families became one that that my family adopted for three or four years to help them get through and get settled. And um, just seeing the joy on those kids' faces, being able to be in an apartment and have their own bedrooms. And at the time, the little girl was like, I just want um, uh, Justin Bieber posters on my wall because they couldn't do that at the shelter. <laughs> so, you know, knowing those little things that are so meaningful, I feel like, again, that's a really important role that local government serves is being able to help people in times of crises. And I think the Change for Change program did that. So that was one that was, yeah, that was near and dear to my heart. Do you have any future plans to continue to improve um, the community of Tallahassee? So, yes, you know, one of the things that um, you know people will say to me, well, like, are you going to think about retiring? And I'm like, well, at the time that I, you know, am not finding joy in what I'm doing, I guess I would consider that. But I don't see that in the near future. And part of that is giving back to the community. So I love and support the United Way. I just think it's a marvelous um, institution in Tallahassee that brings about great change. And then one of the groups that I'm super involved with has been a group called Choose Tallahassee. Um, it started by, again, some local business people who said, we want to encourage, if everybody's thinking about moving to Florida, why can't we attract, initially the goal was attract more seniors to Tallahassee because we weren't seen as a mecca for seniors. And seniors tend to have, if they're moving in their senior years, they tend to have a disposable income and they're not going to be driving at eight o'clock and five o'clock and they don't have kids in school and they contribute to the community. And the idea was let's try to attract more seniors. So I did that initially in my job with the city. Then after I left the city, uh, the team asked me to be the chair. So I was the chair for a little more than two years and to continue to be involved. And they've now expanded to helping 
um, the healthcare industry really is working hard to recruit more healthcare professionals to our community. And so they help try to attract those. Um, we're really interested in keeping people like you, Maya, in Tallahassee. <laughs> so, you know, it's always like, you know, oh, I want to, you know, to graduate and go someplace different. And we're like, okay, but then come back because we want your brain power um, in Tallahassee. So that's the, the choose Tallahassee. What is some advice that you have for like, you know, women who also want to become entrepreneurs or want to help the community with projects like you did? Like, um, and what do you think is the first step to starting these product projects and initiatives? So easier said than done, but the first thing is be fearless, right? I mean, just like when people say, well, you can't do that. Um, I can imagine, and my, you have to tell me this, like did when you first started talking about doing a podcast, did some people go, well, nobody's going to listen and why would you do that? Did you get some of that feedback? Yeah, a little bit, but then I was, I just like, um, I don't know, I was kind of thinking about what you said earlier but, about like how even though if nobody knows that you're doing this, like at least you know that you're you're doing it. And that's kind of the mindset I had going into it. Like even if like, nobody listened to at the beginning I like would still feel like I was making like some sort of difference or impact um and I just like doing it so that's why I continued um so yeah, yeah. I and I, I just think that's a great example like if, when people tell you oh well you can't do that it's like actually I think I can you know and and like you said even if it doesn't really work right off the bat I'm going to work at it to make it something meaningful and so um you know if you if there's somebody listening who says hey I'd really like to get more involved um there are so many opportunities so think of what you're passionate about um you know for me the United Way was an easy one because what they do with um helping uh, through their reading pals program where people mentor children to make sure they're able to read at that grade level um they have you know so they support so many groups in this community call the the nonprofit that you care about and say I would like to volunteer um and here's my skill set here's things I can do um uh, because sometimes if you just don't have any idea of what you want to do you might not enjoy it so let them know, hey, I, I'm a good writer. I will be happy to staff events. I can, you know, um, if your background is in numbers, I can help with financial analysis. You know, there's just so many opportunities. And I think find something you're passionate about, like you did with your podcast, and say, this is how I want to start. Um, and the same thing, my same encouragement would be for people thinking about businesses. My advice is don't leave your full-time job so you have some idea of what you want to do, right? Even when I worked for the city and I didn't even know I was going to go into business for myself, I had started my own business to do training and I got the city's permission to do it on the side. So on, um, I'd take days off or I'd do it on weekends and I would, I kind of started my business before I started my business. You know, I, I technically was a business, I just didn't do it full time. And so I think do that, you know, and, and you prove, you know, you don't have to be, you know, 40 to do this. You can start it at 17 and you can say, I'm going to, you know, try this and get used to it because then I can figure out, does it inspire me? Is it something I feel like brings value and I can learn how to do it well? So I think that's it. And then network talk to everybody you can. Uh, use your family connections. Talk to people that your families know. Um, I like LinkedIn. For me, LinkedIn is like if somebody asked me to be, unless you're selling me something, I'm going to say yes to being your LinkedIn um, friend because I feel like that's a network for me that, hey, if I can help you, you know, I'm going to be happy to do that. And so, you know, reach out to people. Most people are really happy if you ask them, hey, tell me about your life. That's kind of what you do in your podcast. 
most people will say, okay, yeah, I'm happy to share that. So don't be shy about doing it. Um, I tease my uh, younger daughters about, it's like, it's not just a text, right? Um, think about how the person you're reaching out to wants to be communicated with. So, um, you know, maybe it's picking up the phone, maybe it's meeting somebody for coffee, you know, maybe it's, you know, I think sometimes we rely a little too much on technology. So have some face-to-face conversations so that people remember you so that when you ask, hey, would you be able to help me with this? Or could you share some advice? They're like, absolutely. So that would be my tips, the the networking, make those connections, keep, I mean, and again, you know, the nice part is it's so easy in phones today, keep a contact list of everybody you meet that you may have some opportunity to interact with later, because you just don't know, um, build your own base in your network. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed and stay tuned for the next episode.